to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. We definitely appreciate y'all for listening wherever you may be in the world on this December. Uh, it is the holiday season, man. We definitely appreciate you guys taking out a part of your holiday season. Whatever the, you may be listening to this um, and checking out Deliberation Sports Podcast, man. I uh, got a lot to talk about on this edition, so we're going to get right to it, man. Of course, you know, I am Josh Midget. Got my guys here with me, Justice Bolden, Evan DeVoe, the Deliberation crew. Going to deliberate on several things. It's going to dive right into it, man. But first, Justice Man, you know what to do. Tell us how to tell the people how to get in contact with Deliberation Sports on every level. They can follow us on uh, Twitter at Deliberation SP1, Instagram Deliberation Sports, and on Facebook at Deliberation Sports Podcast. Also, we have the Facebook group deliberation sports community in addition to that they can subscribe uh, via apple podcast google podcast anchor spotify and more definitely definitely man be sure y'all check us out all over the place deliberation sports deliberation sports podcast so college basketball i'm gonna dive right into it man another week in the books of college basketball looking forward to another great week man uh, i'm gonna start it off with in-state rivalry renewed. Tennessee, the Volunteers at FedEx Forum taking on the Memphis Tigers. Second largest crowd in FedEx Forum history when it relates to uh, the Memphis Tigers were on hand to see uh, this showdown between the two in-state rivals. Tennessee coming out on top um, in the game here. But still a lot of positivity uh, on the side of uh, Tiger Nation and things of that nature. Um, so there's a lot to get to, man, to dive into this game. And um, you guys can start wherever you want to. Um, we can start with uh, Evan, man. What, what say you about what you saw? Man, I, I'm actually impressed um, with the Tigers' effort. Um, I wasn't sure um, Tennessee would score 100 points. Uh, I, I do need to give praise to my guy, Justice. He told me Tennessee could score 80 on Memphis, and, and I, I, I laughed at him. Uh, and I told him it wasn't going to happen. And he said, all right, Evan, that team could score, and you probably underestimate them. So let me eat crow. I barely do it. That, I'm shocked. That, that, yeah, I'm pissed at times, but I got to. <laughs> they, they put a hundred on. On, on on the target, it wasn't no overtime. But hold on, I do want to say this: if the Tigers play that way with that effort, they will win a lot of games in the AAC. But Tennessee, when you look at Schofield, twenty nine and eleven, he really was the difference maker because Grant Williams he had nineteen points, but if you hold him to four rebounds. You've done your job. Kyle Alexander, he had 10 and 9. It was like a quiet 10 and 9. Like, he, he didn't kill you. I think yeah. Bowden had 12, if I'm not mistaken. I think I hooked that. But where the University of Memphis lost this game at, to me, it was because you didn't get any production from Tyler Harris and Jeremiah Martin. Tyler Harris was 3 for 12, 10 points, with a lot of elevated shots. Um but that's his game. You have to live with it. Jeremiah Martin, who hasn't been the same since the season started within this new system of Penny Hardaway, 2 of 13, 8 points. 
Uh, he's first team preseason All AAC. If he don't pick it up, he he, he will not live up to that preseason ranking. Uh, to me, I would have loved to see Coach Hardaway stay big when Mike Parks and Victor Eno was in the game. That's when they made their comebacks. When he went small and you stuck Rainier Thornton against Grant Williams, that's when he ate. I don't think I saw too many plays when he scored on Parks or, or Eno. Am I am I correct about that? It seemed like he always had Rainier pin. Yeah, he destroyed yeah. Rainier when they went one on one. But go ahead, Justin. Yeah, Ray, Rainier was late. Was late guarding him. Uh, didn't get his body on him. And once Grant Williams gets the ball and gets you sealed in the paint, it's a bucket. And it didn't matter who was guarding him. If it was Davenport or if it was Thornton, if he sealed you, it was a basket. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm not upset about the loss. I thought I predicted a win, so I'm, I was wrong there. Uh, but if Tyler and Jeremiah do their averages, Tigers will win that game. I do want to point out this, though. All right. Those damn referees were terrible. Terrible. They were atrocious. I'm surprised they won a ride in the FedEx form. They were terrible. That game, it was times where the Tigers had momentum and the referees just took it all away. I hate basketball games where referees did take the pace. Uh, and before I go off, I'm an advocate for my boy Antoine Jones. He played a really good game against Tennessee. You have to find a way to give that kid more minutes. You're just better when that kid on the floor. I, I hand it over to Justice. With with the Tigers, I, I felt like they came out and the first half really killed them. Uh, if if you look at the numbers, ten of thirty seven from the field, seven percent, um, two for four. In the first half, that was a time for the tag, Tigers to establish the pace, uh, get your inside guys some touches, especially uh, Parks and Davenport. Now we saw Davenport when he came into the game. Uh, I, th- I think he finished with 12 points in the first half and 19 in the second to go for a co- career high, if I'm not mistaken, 31 points and 11 boards. He was really active. But uh, some of the things I-, I looked at early in the first half, the Tigers uh, continually allowed open threes for Tennessee. I talked about them being a great th- uh, three-point shooting team on the catch. And Schofield, he knocked down three threes in the first half. Uh, Grant Williams had a three. Kyle Ad- Alexander had a three. And uh, – V's Ponds, who's a freak athlete, uh, overseas kid, only in his sophomore year, I believe, he he knocked down two threes, and, and the Tigers were daring him to shoot. So I think it was a good strategy to try to limit the touches for Grant Williams. We see that didn't work. Uh, he still finished with 19, uh, though he, he was only held to four boards. But the Tigers' inability to uh, defend the three and allow Tennessee to really get those open shots. These are shots that I think if, if any team gives Tennessee open threes, they're going to make them throughout the season. But in the second half, we saw the Tigers really come out with a, a defensive-minded effort. That group with uh, Kareem Bruton, Antoine Jones, Keevan Davenport, and I think also uh, Rainier Thornton may have been with that group. But that group really was the, was the group that got the Tigers back into the game. Uh, Davenport, he was hot. He was hitting threes from all over the floor. Quick dunk. Yeah, well, you, you, you did, but, but you, you and I both, <laughs> both were right on that one because I, I said the thing that uh, Davenport really needed to do was just catch the ball and finish. And most of his shots were assisted. And uh, 
he's the guy for the Tigers. I think this game clearly showed against the best team they played throughout the year that if the Tigers are going to go as far, maybe as Keevan Davenport will take them and not Tyler Harris. And so uh, Harris is going to have to adjust his game. Good teams are going to force him to put the ball on the deck. And uh, he took a shot in the paint when he got in, the, got in the lane. In fact, I think the only shots he made outside of a late three were in the paint. But three of 12 is not going to cut it from your starting uh, shooting guard. And then I think two of 13 for Martin. They've just got to play better and be more efficient. Uh, both both uh, Tyler was minus 22 on the floor. So that means that the Tigers were negative 22 while he was out there. That can't happen if they expect to win, especially if he's going to be one of their primetime guys. Now, guys, I gotta, I, I gotta say this. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the box score, right? And it's some things that that just don't make sense. That if you're you're trying to win, I'm not saying Coach Bennett's not trying to win or anything, but <laughs> there's things. But it, it just doesn't make sense, though. At the same time, okay, let's look at a couple things. Tyler Harris, three of twelve, one of nine from three. I know he's a, a big important piece. He played 32 minutes. Jeremiah Martin, 36 minutes. He went two for 13, one of six from three. They were both minus 11. Now, Keevan Davenport, who led the team scoring and rebounding and everything else, imaginable, 25 minutes. Antoine Jones was probably, who's not even probably, the most productive uh, perimeter player, uh, 21 minutes. You know, and he had three fouls. Only had three fouls, so it wasn't like it was a foul issue. And we know that he was the main guy that initiated the comeback in the second half, while Bruton, as Justice was saying earlier, was one of the the, the senior the senior that was one of, very important in the first half in the comeback before they decided to go back small. Josh, Again. Josh, let, let's think about this, Josh. And Ty- ruin the game. Go ahead. Let's think about this. If Tyler Harris was minus minus twenty two in thirty two minutes. And if Jeremiah Martin was minus 11 and 36 minutes, it was really the four minutes where both of those guys were on the bench that you made your biggest push. And and, 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 and in fact, the the eight minutes when Tyler wasn't on the floor. Yes. And see, look, it's not a shot at those guys, but you have to adjust to the situation. And, you know, yeah, I want to trust Tyler. Tyler, you know, Jeremiah, I love him, right? But if, they, if they're stinking up the joint, they don't need to play. Antoine Jones... Kareem Bruton even, Victor Eno having eight minutes is a travesty because when he got in the game, he produced and he was actually a big body that actually knew what the heck he was doing out there rather than than Rainier who didn't most of the time and who doesn't most of the time, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, let's not forget. Quick, uh, quick, I, I, quick. Uh, Isaiah Maurice, I gotta say, he did nothing. Isaiah Maurice, he, he did nothing. He did nothing. That's true. He only played three minutes, though. Well, Rainier threw points as soon as he got in the damn game. <laughs> exactly. Quit calling Rainier Thornton the Draymond Green of the team because it makes it sound like you don't know what you're talking about. But, uh, Evan, go ahead, man. I know you, know you got something else to say on that. Well, I do want to go back on this because I'm becoming a Keevan Davenport fan. Justice. Oh, yeah. The boy did more than catch a finish. That man pulled up. He was now threes. He took some. He took guys off the dribble at times. He finished and he rebounded. So, Let's give Davenport a little bit more credit than being just a finisher uh, on drives and layups. That that guy did it. Well, no, no, the, the eight offensive rebounds uh, is is really what what uh, helped him have his probably his most effective uh, game as a Tiger. Not, 
not only that, but the ability to shoot the three. He was four or five. Mm-hmm. So maybe you would have liked to see him get more shots. Well, here's the thing that I think Josh is, is pointing out. And Josh, I agree on every point that you just made. But here's what where I kind of give Penny a pass. Because I was saying to myself, I just kept saying, man, dang, Tyler going to heat up soon. Yeah, I was saying that too. I, I think that's kind of where Penny Head was. Because if he would have warmed up and hit two or three in a row when we were down nine, I think oh. you have a different ball game. So, but in order for that to happen, he's got to get those same open shots that Davenport's getting at the top here, of the key. And that means that your guards, whether that be Lomax or uh, Jeremiah, they've got to get into the lane, oh. draw defense, and kick it well, out. One thing we see, Jeremiah ain't looking for Tyler. Well, he, he, here's the thing, though. That's that's what I was going to get to, Justice. Mm-hmm. Me, personally, I hate small backcourts. I'm a guy who coached on the middle school level, turned a 6'3 center into a point guard last year because I was about to run my head to the wall with small guard. I hate Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you play small ball. And you're doing that against a Tennessee team that's got a 6'5 Schofield playing the shooting that's guard and a 6'8 Puns at the That's three. what I was going to say. You're going to have that problem when you go 5'8 and 5'9 in your backcourt. When everybody kept saying Schofield and, and, and Bowden and all those guys were shooting open shots, no, they weren't. It was open because they got a six or seven inch height advantage on them, but they were they were contesting it. But it's it's essentially an open shot when you're shooting on a smaller guy. So I mean, I would like to see Antoine Jones in that starting lineup to replace Alex Lomax. My personal opinion. I know I might be frowned upon around the city. Quite frankly, I really don't care. But I, I don't I don't think I don't think most Memphis fans would disagree with you at this point because they've been watching the team. They like they like Alex Lomax, but to be honest, in order for this team to be its best, uh, you got to go with a bigger lineup. And if you go with Antoine and you go with uh, Jeremiah, now you go six three six six, and then Tyler Harris, you can find this, put him on the smallest guy. But Antoine Jones, his ability to get into the lane and drop off to Keevan Davenport or create for other teammates. That was something that the Tigers really needed. And, uh, Evan, you've been right all season about Antoine Jones needing more minutes, and he proved it in, in the Tigers' biggest game in front of the – on the biggest stage, uh, ESPN sold out. Kudos to Mike Miller, who has put in a lot of time with Antoine Jones' jump shot. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Mike Miller has put in countless of hours working on Antoine Jones' uh, jump shot. And it has paid dividends in the last couple of games. He knocked down a couple of threes against UAB, and he knocked down another one against Tennessee. Mike Miller is working with that kid on his outside jump shot, so guys can't lay off you. And then, of course, once they got to play you for the three, that's when he's able to be at his best, getting to the rack, finishing contact. Well, remember what I said about Jones: one or three from the three. I want to see him take three catch and shoot threes a game. And then take take some shots where he's he's coming off the dribble. Uh, we saw ISO Jones in in effect, yep. and and I want to see more of that throughout the season. So I, I just want the kid to to get an opportunity to build some confidence. Memphis is a place that he can thrive in, but he's got to find himself, and that's one of those things that Coach Hardaway and his staff they got to really make sure that uh, 
they they can really nurture this kid and, and put him in the best position because I think the talent is there and he could be be an all time great uh, if he puts his head together and gets everything on track. Now, well, thing, yeah, I agree. No, the interesting thing about it, you're talking about Iso Jones. This is exactly what I was thinking about. You know, when when I saw, you know, people think isolation, you think selfishness, and I get it, but. You know, you can also open up for your teammates as well because you're trying to create for yourself. You read and react to the defense. And that's what he was doing, especially in the zone. You step in or you step back or whatever you're doing and you see how the defense reacts to you. And he was constantly hitting the right man in every situation or taking the shot, you know. And that's what you got, man. If he has that freedom consistently to do that, I mean, he could be dangerous. Yeah. And and I just asked the question, is this a game we want to see every year? Do we want to see the Tigers and UT square up every year oh, yeah. in, in football and in basketball? No doubt. Absolutely. Man, look, I, I love the – I love – I already know how y'all feel about it, I believe, but y'all can tell me anything. I love the scuffle, if you want to call it that. I know it wasn't no hands thrown or anything like that. But I just like to see that they cared. You know what I'm saying? That they were getting into it. They felt the, the spirit of the rivalry, man. That you ain't just going to sit there. Now, now Josh, I, I, I got to cut you off on that what? because I, I didn't love what I saw. You didn't like it? Uh, be, be, being from Memphis, what? knowing that uh, <laughs> you got you should have guys on your team from North Memphis, South Memphis, Walker Homes. You don't let a team walk over to your bench and square up. Uh, so I, I got to say, I, next time I, I want to see them them walk them down. Now, I saw Vincent ask you. He he said that you know former Tiger NBA star and everything else had commented that if it was you know his team back in the day, that a lot more stuff than that would have happened. Now y'all know in, in private Texas, I, I was advocating for that. I know a lot more than that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, when Schofield put up his Tennessee. Jersey to the crowd. Oh no, man! You would have to feel these hands, and we got a couple, you know, easy ones coming up next two, three games. I just had to sit them out. You know that that just is what it is. That's where I come from. You talking all that noise when you come off a pick? I'm about to put my shoulder in your throat. You want to come down that line? You finna feel that bow in your nose. Like if I get a flight, and I think that's what the Tigers are missing. The Tigers don't have a. a I mean, a, a, guy out of, a, a class A flagrant for, for talking. I mean, you might as well put your hands on somebody. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, come, yeah. come on, man. And, and he'll walk home. Victor Eno may be the only guy on that roster that that may have that in his genes. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> but I do want to say this. I stand strong about Tennessee. That's a second weekend Sweet 16 team, that's it. And I think y'all saw it yourself. Memphis put 92 points on them boys. And Tyler and Jeremiah didn't even get off. That team has a lot of weaknesses. They're prone to foul trouble. Remember I told y'all that last week. Yeah, yeah. Elite basketball team will wipe the flow with them cats. A good coach with talent, it won't even be close. Well, we've seen Grant Williams continue to get in foul th- trouble throughout the season. I don't think that part can change. Uh, they're going to need guys like Pons to get better. Uh, ironically, if I'm not mistaken, Bone and Bowden, are they juniors? Are those guys going to be back next season? Um, Bowden, you see the Bone of Bowden uh, is a junior, but the top four out of five are seniors. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they they better get it this year if they if they want to make a deep run because uh, it's going to be rebuilding. Even though they got a, a five star guard uh, Josiah James coming in next year, they're looking at a rebuilding year. So hey 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 fellas, man, we'll, we'll, I, I'll go with you, Josh. I mean, uh, Josh or Justice, either one of y'all can go first. What do y'all think about this Gonzaga North Carolina game? Uh, Gonzaga dropped their second in a row. Uh, they're going to continue to drop in the rankings, man. Do you think they were overrated, or you just think it's a uh, it's a thing of scheduling quality competition, man. Well, I, I'll take it to start off. Number one, North Carolina is loaded with talent. Uh, they, they get five stars every year. They may not be getting number one, two, and three. But when you got Nazir Little out there and some of the uh, Kobe White, some of those guys, they can really go. So that's a team. And if I'm not mistaken, Luke May is still there. He's a senior now. He was the most valuable player of the uh, – uh, NCAA Final Four two years ago yes, when they beat Gonzaga. So that that's a team, North Carolina, Duke, Gonzaga, they play similar styles. And I think what we saw is North Carolina exposed the Zags defense. Defensively, they don't have it. And that's where uh, they struggle. Offensively, Gonzaga can score with anybody in the country, but can they stop you? And, and I say no. So uh, we've seen a Gonzaga team They've beaten Duke, so that was the high end. And then on, on the other end, taking losses to Tennessee uh, who just beat Memphis and now North Carolina. But it was a road game, so that's a good test for Gonzaga. I think it's going to help them, help prepare them for the tournament. I still have them in my Final Four. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I think it's twofold with Gonzaga. One, I think they're a victim of schedule. You know, I mean, their schedule, you know, unlike, almost like uh, when we talked, Evan, uh, a few podcasts ago about Michigan, and how they consist- consistently have played top-tier talent. Gonzaga has scheduled a, a killer schedule. And you go through that, you're going to have some losses here and there. But at the same time, I do think they've been exposed to a certain extent. Um, and even I think you have to put in a question to Duke win a little bit. I mean, it was a good win, don't get me wrong. But that was Duke's first real taste, other than Auburn, but his first real taste of an elite opponent, you know, and figuring things out. You know, you don't really get a scout for Gonzaga because it's a quick bang, bang, bang turnaround. You know what I'm saying? So you got to take all that into consideration. You give Coach K some time to scout, I think you would have had a different story uh, when it comes to – Josh, all, all I ask is go through the top 10, yeah. top 25, in fact. Outside of uh, Gonzaga and Michigan, who goes to teams' home floors to play road games in a non-conference? Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm saying. I mean we, we see Tennessee done it. Yeah. Tennessee's done it. So it's uh it's a clear contrast between the teams that are scheduling tough opponents and those that are not. And I think that could pay off. And and that's one of the reasons why I have Kansas, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Duke in my final four is because uh outside of Duke, most of those teams on that list, they'll play you anywhere, any any time. Well Kansas Kansas haven't went on the road. Well that, that's why I said outside of Kansas. Yeah. Because they're, they're similar to Duke. They're going to only play you on a neutral site or they'll catch you in conference play. They're typically not going to play a, a, a non-conference road game. That's going to be tough. Well, Gonzaga, I think they just felt they had to take that chance. Because, you know, now, I'm not sure if Kansas still plays that Missouri game because there was a time where they would play that Battle of the Borders game against Missouri. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I just feel like Gonzaga feels like they have to take that chance because you know they're not going to get any quality. But even, even that game would be St. Mary's site. in their conference. So... Well, that's the blueprint. That's how a team like Gonzaga can can remain in the top five of ten all year, despite being in a in a small mm-hmm. conference, because they're going to start out playing those heavy hitters, and whenever they're loaded, 
then you're going to see them beat a team like a Duke, and all of a sudden they find themselves in the top five. So I don't expect they drop any lower than – I still think they remain in the top ten because that Duke wins. Speaking Duke of Kansas, whole, whole Kansas time. goes down to Tempe uh, on the 22nd, top 20 Arizona State team. Uh, let's let's see what happens with them there. Mm. That's very dangerous. That's danger zone right there. And 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 Arizona State, no, they I'm I'm thinking of USC because they got the similar colors. I was about to mention uh the lefty, the freshman kid, but that's that's the wrong squad. Arizona State led by Bobby Hurley, they're capable of pulling. Now, up. Yeah. All right, go ahead, everybody. Now let me ask y'all this. North Carolina mm-hmm. has Kentucky coming up. Do Kentucky finally get a quality win, or does Kyle keep getting his ass kicked every time he play quality competition this year? <laughs> Ooh, that's that's a loaded question, man. We're, we're, all right, I'm gonna. Ask you I, I'm sorry, man. I just gotta throw it up every time. I mean, if I gotta, I knew it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I'm playing in North Carolina, though, Justice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Also- I, 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 that's going to be tough for uh, Kentucky to win a road game. Matt. If, they, if they do that, you got to give them a lot of credit. Certainly they've been strong. I'm sorry. If they can get Kentucky at, at North Carolina, right now. That, that would be a big one. They're number 19 in the country. They're 82. If they lose that game and stay in the top 25, that's just bias. That's, that's just bias. You hadn't beat anybody. Yeah, they on the they on they they on the cusp right now, falling out the top twenty five. They did get that recent win over Utah, but Utah they they're not. Yeah, that ain't Utah not, old with with, with, with you Jerry. Know what I'm they're they're gonna lose that game. They're gonna lose North Carolina. They're gonna lose by double digits, and then people gonna start looking at Cal uh, sideways about what's happening. And and Kentucky's another team. They haven't played a road game. Oh my goodness! I think their first road game is going to be at Louisville, and they go to at Alabama. Uh, so Louisville, that's they're their in North long, Carolina. Uh, road game of the non-conference season. Yeah, they're at UNC. Oh, that's definitely. Oh, they're at North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I may have been reading this wrong. When I saw versus, North yeah, it's Carolina, at North Carolina. I was assuming they, they I kind of been doing the home at home, but you may, you may be right. I'm, Are we I'm sure that game says isn't Kentucky and North Carolina? They okay. played them in Rupp last year, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's a return game. Okay. Well, then Louisville and North Carolina that gives them two two solid road tests. That Louisville uh, Kentucky game is similar to the Memphis Tennessee or even that old Memphis Louisville. That's a that's a real bloodbath rivalry. Now, let me ask you this: two fan bases and. That don't like each that's other. That's true. Now let me ask the you this: that, the only thing that's missing with, is two cheating coaches uh, going up against each other uh, with uh, Cal and Tino. But let's let's look at. Uh... Well, Wait, yeah, you, that's you mean uh, well, Cal that's and uh, uh, Roy Williams? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's but uh, Tino's done. So, is there any chance? <laughs> well, well, I say whatever. Bring Patino back, man. Bring him back for what? Wait, he's back. Bring him back, man. <laughs> Just bring him back. Bring him back, man. I and I know I'm on a touchy subject. It's just like, hey, 
I got my opinion on Urban Meyer too, but you know, let, let me be quiet, man, for we, we lose all the options. Yeah, see. Well, I, I think he 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 lost he lost it when uh you know when he brought the assistant coach's wife in. That was probably the the last straw internally, even though publicly it was the the other stuff. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard to come. Seen back. people come back from worse. I leave it at that. Definitely true. Definitely true. Well, you, uh, I wasn't gonna say his name, but since you went on and said it, you you must be a mind reader because that's exactly who I had in mind. But we can we can move on. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll, he'll be making a comeback pretty soon. Go ahead, Josh. I had to cut you off. No, you good? You good, man? But um, we'll just go on to the next part here. When we got a few minutes left, UCLA. How y'all feeling about that situation going down to Belmont? Steve Offord is really close to going fishing. Uh, I'm not sure if he could make it through to do back 12 play. They'll, they'll try to give him an opportunity, but uh, those those UCLA boosters, they're ready to get rid of him right now. And I think they, they know who their replacement is. We talked about uh, Fred Horberg, uh, who was with the Bulls and, and was recently let go, making that move to – Westwood, and I can really see that happening. But Alfred, his days are numbered in uh, man. UCLA. And I told y'all, Steve Alfred, coach. When I told y'all, when Fred Horbert lost his job, he was gonna replace him at UCLA. People started laughing at me. Steve Alfred, he might as well call Fred Horbert and start trying to negotiate a deal, to sell his house, because it's over. Is over. And LeVar Ball, he not already put it out there. Hey, LaMelo ain't going over there. Y'all see how they did Jello? Nah, we good. It's over for Steve Arthur. Then you... Now, wait. I'm telling you what, what, what LaVar said. <laughs> oh, I, Jello, I got Jello did it to himself, didn't he? <laughs> Tell LaVar that. I don't care. What I'm saying... <laughs> what, I'm about to say, with, LaVar pulled him out. Last year... They're in a play-in game in the ECAA tournament, which is just embarrassing to UCLA. I mean, this guy has not lived up to the billing. Yeah. He has not. A couple years ago, the offer had an opportunity to lead and go back to his alma mater, IU. Yep, I remember that. He didn't take that opportunity. Oh, he was on. He was on top. Then he was. He was making sweet sixteens. That was Lonzo Ball year. Yeah. Yep. I always come on this podcast and tell y'all: if a fan base turn against you and you start winning again, and you get back in their good grace, if another job call you, you better take that job because you're only a year away from getting fired again. We're seeing it with Gus Malzahn. And we're seeing it with Steve Offer. He should have took the IU job. That's a great point. Great point, man. I was surprised when he didn't back then. Because you're riding off that high, having the whole Lonzo ball thing, and the, the ball, having the ball was actually a, a good thing. At that point, uh, yep. you know, the guy being a top pick, you know, so got to ride the wave. Well, speaking of another, look, another program and mm-hmm. another coach that should be on the hot seat, is uh, Jim oh, Beheim at Syracuse? They lost at home to Old Dominion. <laughs> yeah, Evan, do you, do you want to touch, touch that one? Do we got a sensor button? 
Josh, can you put one on there? Uh, well, look, I, I know, I know, Jim Dayheim, he uh, should have taken criticism similar to what Tubby Smith did last season. Tubby, Tubby, Tubby was making a comment about how players this like this fool ain't had no point. You gonna sit up here and say the same players who done played your punk ass salary for forty years don't got the right to make no money? But you can sit up here and make millions of dollars every year. You, you out your damn mind. You, you, you education, yeah, that's good, but. These guys sit up here, head coaches make seven figures. ADs make seven figures. Assistant coaches make six figures. The player gets nothing, who draws the crowd, who makes the money. What am I missing? Now, Evan, you know what those coaches say. They say you're getting a scholarship. The realest one, and I don't even like them like that, and I probably Memphis fans going to hate this. But the realest one out of all along with this, yep. the Teflon dunk. He let it be known. I get millions, the school made millions, and the players don't benefit. What am I missing? We all want to benefit from that. Yeah, I was about to say, he he, he made it be known back in uh, oh, the yeah. days at the University of Memphis because uh, they were giving out cards. Call what you want. <laughs> I am an advocate for playing the player. Yeah. However you want to do it, do it. Most people, hey, you can say you be politically correct all, correct all you want to. Half the people saying be politically correct, hell, they the ones in the government. I feel like Jim Behan, if you want something good said about him, don't have me on the show. I don't like him. I don't like what he's stand for. To me, he is what is wrong with college basketball right now. To hell with him. I don't want to talk about him. Well, hey, we're here to deliberate the truth. Yeah, look, uh, Evan just deliberated so, all on uh, the head of Jim Bayon. Uh So I think I think there's no better way uh, to sum up the podcast, at least on on, on that point, than than that. Uh, unless y'all got anything else, any any final words, uh, Justice Evan, before we uh, before we uh, close this thing out. Uh, I, th- I think with that we can we can close it out. Uh, certainly, uh, yep. that that Carolina matchup going to be a big one, and uh, on the horizon you got the the Kentucky Louisville, and then uh, we'll, Duke, we'll Texas be getting Tech into Thursday. Play, so Duke Texas Tech yeah, Thursday, National Championship game, ESPN. Where are they playing? Uh, looks like it's going to be at Madison Square Garden. I was going to say that's a whole game for Duke. Shout out to. Uh, Friend of the show, Glenn Cyprian, who came on uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, they're still doing good things out there at Texas Tech, so that should be a good one uh, to see what happens down there. That should be an RPI boost for uh, Memphis and a lot of their opponents that have played Texas Tech, regardless of whether they win or not. Justin, you asked about the North Carolina game. You was right. It will be in the United Center. <laughs> I was about to say, there's no way uh, North Carolina is going to play a wrong game uh, this late in the season. They have homes. It might have been the third years at a at a neutral site game, uh, probably like Tennessee and uh, Tennessee and uh, Memphis. Mm-hmm. Memphis, yeah, exactly. It's going to be in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of these blue blood programs, they're gonna they're gonna uh, make sure their schedules is, is baby favorable to keep them. In last the question I got, I just noticing. Um, UAB, which is another win for the Tigers, actually their biggest win of the year um, by point differential, came out and almost beat Auburn. Um, 
They went down by four, 75-71 in overtime, as a matter of fact. Uh, Does that raise that win for the Tigers at all? No, not necessarily. Uh, UAB, they they need to win their their league play. Um, So I I think if you're you're on the UAB side, you want to come out and try to win Conference USA. It does show that they have a pretty good team because they were on the road at Auburn. But that's a rivalry game. So I will tell you that I paid attention to yesterday. Um, one that I think will help Memphis when they beat South Dakota State. South Dakota State almost beat number five Nevada. Uh, I think that will help them because uh, that was a really tough game for Nevada. And I think we kind of touched up last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that wasn't a, a, a easy game for Nevada. And we said that if Nevada don't, you know, watch out, they could get snaked in by uh, South Dakota State, and they almost did. Now, and also. If we got, if we could squeeze this one in, because I, I actually was watching this while the Memphis game was going on with Villanova in Kansas, uh, with Kansas getting the win. Villanova gets knocked off by Penn, who looked really good, and I saw that game uh, during really back to back games. Yeah, they lost back to back games. They need to drop out the top. And what does this mean about Kansas? Does it mean that Villanova's overrated, or is that Kansas is just uh, killing it with uh, Dietrich Lawson and company? I mean, Kansas got the best player in the country. Mm, so, DJ, best player in college basketball. Hey, they're they're comparing him to Tim like Duncan it. in terms of his production on the floor and his quietness uh, while he does it. And and I, I can't agree more. Uh, the kid is amazing. When you look at him and Legero Vick, uh, there are some games where they can come and get sixty points from from two kids that head from Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, you, you just can't discount. They were missing as a boogie. They were they were missing him. And Dedrick basically, he played the whole game almost him and Legero. Legero, not 39 minutes, Dedrick 38. Well, we talked about this. They're a better team without uh, Azabuki, in my opinion, because any five man that you put on Dedrick Lawson, he's barbecue chicken. There's no way you can guard Dedrick Lawson with a traditional five. Uh, he's just going to face him up, go by him, uh, give him all the move. Yep. And, and now he's running the floor. That's the biggest thing that I've seen the difference from uh, Dedrick Lawson as a sophomore to him as a redshirt junior. This kid is beating guys down the floor, and that's something we didn't see when he was at Memphis. But certainly, I think the combination of Josh Pastner's poor conditioning program, which didn't include weightlifting, along with uh, Kansas and what they do with those guys, uh, that kid looks super. And I would expect that uh, after he wins national player, yeah, Josh Pastner's crazy the fool with the mask uh, that he brought in to be the strength coach. Yeah, that guy that Frank, that, uh, Frank the Hill trainer ended up hating him. Yeah, I think it's was his brother-in-law or something like this. Was a big old mess. <laughs> well, he was big on the gimmicks, man. He would have guys. Uh, he would give you a medicine ball and tell you to walk to the Liberty Bowl. Now, for those who don't know, the University of Memphis campus is about three miles from the Liberty Bowl, so that that would be your work. I heard about the sand pit mountain and all that stuff. So <laughs> I'll tell you what, Josh yeah. Pashner. He's another one who might as well get in contact with a real estate agent. Well, well, he's going to be an assistant coach, so he'll 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 go back to being an assistant, one of the top uh, assistants in the nation, or maybe he can help out at his dad run that uh summer now, tournament in Vegas, we, which is we a, talking about a, the dad that never sends him anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like you got a guy that runs a top <laughs> program, he don't send you nobody. He ain't sending nobody in Memphis. And it don't look like he's sending him anybody at Georgia Tech. I guess he said do it on your own. 
Hey, can I can I make a comparison real quick? I, I promise I'll let it go. Uh, yeah. I remember when Mike Davis uh, got that. He I listened to him about a year ago. Mm-hmm. He said, "I got all my jobs in the wrong uh, order." He said, "I got the Indiana job, then I got the UAB job, then I got the Texas Southern job, and now of course he's in Detroit." He said, I should have got the Texas Southern job first, then got promoted to UAB. Then I would have been prepared for Indiana. And it's probably sound crazy to a lot of people because he took them to a national title game. I think that's the case with Josh Passman. I think people agree Georgia Tech is kind of a step down from Memphis basketball right now uh, since Paul Erie left. Uh, I think that he probably should have got a mid-major job first. Memphis replacing John Calipari, he was destined to fail. He He was. He took the job because it was a head coaching job at a top 25 program right now. Yeah, absolutely. In his defense, there's not many people that are going to turn down an opportunity to leave a situation like that, That's not my point, though. Georgia what I'm saying is he'll get another head coaching job at a mid-major. He will win at a mid-major because he'll learn from his mistakes. Even at Georgia Tech, he's not as stubborn – as he was at Memphis. But what happens is when you bring in four straight top five recruiting classes and you don't turn out one first-round draft pick, including Will Barton, who should have been a first-round draft pick, people start negatively recruiting against you. The only first-round draft pick you had was Elliot Williams, and he transferred from Duke because of his mother. So he would have came here no matter who was the coach. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think he needs to go to a private school, a school like Rice in the Conference USA, one where uh, you get a different type of student. And I think that's the type of uh, athlete that Josh Pastor should be coaching. We're banishing him to Rice. Uh, That's that's something else, man. But I mean, if I'm not mistaken, he'd be in Dallas. I guess close to where his his father, I guess, can, can not send him anybody. Uh, but <laughs> I was about to say Houston's not too far. Yeah, like Samson, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Houston oh, he is, is flat out today. coaching. Yeah, Houston top twenty-five program. So AAC looks like it's going to be interesting, man. With um, some teams trying to make some moves, so it'll be interesting to see how Memphis does. But like we said, and I agree with Evan, if they play like they did against Tennessee, you know, consistently then I think they should at least be considered to be a top contender for the AAC crown. No question about it, man. But uh, as uh, I think we're going to close it out here on this edition of the Liberation Sports Podcast. Got some more coming at you very, very soon. So y'all stay tuned and keep it locked in. Uh, but Justice Man, tell us, uh, tell the people where they can check out uh, Liberation Sports real quick before we head on out. Follow us on Twitter at DeliberationSP1. Follow us on Instagram, Deliberation Sports, and on Facebook at Deliberation Sports Podcast. We also have the Facebook group, Deliberation Sports Community. Also, you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We appreciate y'all for checking us out. Uh, We appreciate it, and uh, we will see you soon here on the Deliberation Sports Podcast.